Hey, this is Evan Jackson, video production director of New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today. I pray that today's message will not only challenge, but encourage and inspire you to see God's purpose for you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, you faithful few. You few that resisted the temptation of barbecuing in the morning. That's weird, but whatever. You're here, and I'm glad you're here. We got, we got some great stuff for you this morning. Um, today we're going to talk about parenting. Parenting, and I, people are like, oh, well, I'm checking out of this. I don't have young kids. I want you to, I want you to listen in on this conversation for, for two reasons. First off, if you have, had, if you have grown children, grown children, children that are out of the house, I want you to listen to some of these things that we're going to talk about today. And you, may, you might come up to the, the conclusion, man, I didn't do some things right. What? You know what the most healing thing is for an adult child, adult child, your, your child who's an adult, is for mom or dad to say, you know what? I'm sorry for some of the things that I didn't do for you. I want to be, I want to be the best parent I could be as you grow older. Forgive me for some of the things I I missed or lacked or I didn't have the knowledge for. Don't have to feel bad about it. It's just a realization. And that's okay. Vulnerability is the key, one of the keys to good parenting. Secondly, the church is, and we're going to talk about this next week, how the church interacts with the family and what the importance of the church community is in the family. We're going to talk about that next week. But one of the things I want you to get today is that just because you're, you may have children, or maybe you never had children, you do have children. They're all over there right now. Your ability to speak into these kids' lives is so vitally important as the community of, of faith. We raise children up. Now, the parents are obviously the primary touch point for that, but it being reinforced in you is highly, highly important. Okay? So that's what we're going to do today. I interviewed my mom, and I thought that because she's my mom, my parent. So I have a bunch of, bunch of uh, answers to her questions here. But would you guys like to hear from her? Yeah? Okay, come on. She's not going to come up unless you, you cheer her up. Come on up here, lady. Come on. Come on up here. <laughs> she didn't know I was doing this. <laughs> come on. Come up with your favorite son. No, sit. Have a seat. So here's, here's all our answers, just in case you want to review them. Uh, I interviewed her to get her thinking about these things so she wouldn't be too surprised. And here's your microphone. Make sure you hold that nice. Oh, she's never really done that before. This is new. If Lisa had a, a few weeks to prepare, this is this, is this morning, okay? This is, this is happening right now. So, Hi. No, you got to put the back up. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, man. You didn't think you'd be up here this morning, did you? <laughs> well, some of the things I, <laughs> some of the things I talked with you about uh, around parenting were just kind of like, I think of you and dad as very good parents. I think um, you guys did a great job dealing with a bunch of different things that our family went through, and I'm sure there's a myriad of different things that our congregation goes through. But one of the questions I have, I have to ask you, and 
and you answered this morning very eloquently when I asked you, what was the hardest part of parenting? What was the hardest part for you and dad? Me. I know. I know. <laughs> you can't say that, though. Really? No. <laughs> um, it's true. He called me just this morning. <laughs> so I have not, I had no idea this was going to happen. And uh, so forgive me if I'm nervous. Um, but I remember saying to him after thinking about it, um, getting on the same page with our parenting styles. Uh, your father, he was, um, he was a disciplinarian, big time, in our family. And uh, he came from a situation in his home where his father was like that. So, of course, he kind of followed what his father did. But he tended to be a little rough on the kids. They knew very much. He loved them very much. But so, and I was just the opposite. I grew up in a family where my father was very mellow and happy. And, uh, you know, of course, I never did anything wrong. So he... To this day, she doesn't... <laughs> but anyway, so we had different styles. And I remember at one time, uh, my husband, John, he was upstairs with David for some reason. I don't know where she's going with this, though. And he wasn't happy with him. And I, I'm down, I'm at the bottom of the stairs listening. And I think, all of a sudden, I said, I, I ran upstairs. I had to kind of calm the situation down. And uh, I was a real brat. I really was. No, but that was the way it was. You know, we, we and I think eventually we kind of realized that we realized that we responded to things differently. And as we talked about it and lived with it, we kind of compromised. And I think but for a while that was that was kind of uh, kind of hard for a while. How much did your coming to Christ? I was uh, I was. Eight years old. Yeah, you were young. No, I was a year old. Ryan was eight years old. Yeah, um, yeah. It was your, how much did that help to bring those two things together? It was amazing. Yeah. It really was. Uh, yes, I think Ryan, yeah, Ryan was young. And Ryan caught the brunt of the early years. Yeah, but <laughs> no, and you were just a baby. Yeah. and uh, But totally changed our lives, yeah. And what we did after that uh, just totally made a huge difference in our parenting too, yeah. So what are some of the hardest challenges you faced in parenting us as kids? We dealt with some uh, problems uh, with me, you. Yeah, let's, just, let's, let's be honest here, folks. Yeah, <laughs> no, and I mean it in a way that um, David had some yeah, I did. serious learning problems, learning disabilities, and uh, it took a while. <clears throat> to realize what was happening. And uh, once we finally did, and we got testing, and we got the right uh, way of, of teaching yeah. to your, uh, your, the way you were, uh, it made all the difference in the world. But that was a struggle. It really was for a while. It was. And uh, fortunately, eventually, we worked it all out. I think one of the thing, interesting things about that story is in an effort to help us as kids, um, my parents sacrificed to put us into a Christian school. We went to a Christian school. And in fact, it was that Christian school um, curriculum 
that was very hard for me. So I, I just thought that was interesting just from the plain fact that sometimes as parents, you're going to do things that you think are the best thing you could possibly do. And within those, uh, those boundaries of you doing good things for your kids, you're going to find challenges even in those things. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, you, you, you sacrifice, you work to get us into that Christian school, but it's, it didn't take yeah. away all the problems. No, it didn't. And because it was a Christian school, it didn't have the, uh, <clears throat> the staff Right. that the public school has to heal, you know, to work with. To diagnose. Work, and, exactly. Yeah. So we had to go outside the school for diagnosis and then work with the school. In fact, it wasn't easy yeah. to get the school to uh, change certain things so that uh, it could meet yeah. your needs. Yeah. yeah. Um, this lady right here, my, the school that we went to, most of it was done through reading. You read, the curriculum is kind of self guided. Uh, New Life had a, a school like that for a while as well, ACE curriculum, things like that. Um, and my disability was with reading. And I had a really hard time with this particular Christian-based curriculum. Well, once I diagnosed that I had a reading disability, this lady right here spent hours and hours reading all of my work into a tape recorder. Remember those things? <laughs> so that I could listen, because I'm an auditory learner. So she she went the extra mile to make sure that I was able to accomplish and achieve goals that otherwise were barred to me. So thank you. In public, thank you. You're very welcome. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you had expressed other, there's the fact that parenting doesn't really end when the kids get out of the house. Mm -hmm. Um, I got married young, but... My brother and my sister got married later, mm-hmm. and there were some challenges with, think about Jesse and her, mm-hmm. her struggles emotionally and things like that. Yeah. And my daughter, uh, who's the youngest in the family, uh, <clears throat> as she got older uh, and started dating, and, and I won't go into detail, but uh, had, had some very serious disappointments in her t- that time of her life. And uh, I think when it comes down to her... Um, it was getting her through these hard times yeah. that was really important and um, being there for her yeah. and kind of helping her along with that. And, and she's a Christian. She was a Christian. And so, you know, a lot of our talks were having to do with depending on God and, and seeking out his plan for her life. But uh, not compromising was a big thing. Absolutely. She was absolutely. so tempted often to go down that. I mean, I actually helped parent through that because yes. she was you know, my, my little sister. Mm-hmm. And I think she often felt like, if God's not going to show up on this, I'm going to go my own way. Mm-hmm. And just keeping her thinking that God has a plan for her, God has a man for her. And, That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we see that, you know, we saw that. And as, you know, have you, you've said many times, it's important to think about our history with God and uh, go back to the things that he has done for us in the past. Yep. And uh, she and I have had many talks about that. Is that, wow, good thing I didn't do it this way. I did it God's way and how it turned out yeah. and how, thank, how, how faithful he was to her. So in, our, li- in my, our lives, we all went different ways when it came to finding a spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, as you heard a couple weeks ago, I found mine in seventh grade. Uh, but my sister found hers uh, later in life. My brother found his later in life. And 
the, the relationships couldn't be better. Right. God has just provided the mm-hmm. right spouse in his time. And that can be frustrating. And I think um, many of you who are parents, I hope you are, and I, I'm sure you are, praying for your children. Yes. I mean, from the time they were babies, John and I prayed for them to f- that the Lord would provide the perfect spouse for them. And it didn't seem like it was happening for a while. It, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It took a while. Yeah. My dad actually forced me to marry Lisa. He needed to <laughs> smarten the gene pool a little bit, but uh, it was an arranged marriage. No. The idea was, but it, it all worked. It, it was interesting how the three different paths were so different. So. And last question. If you could go back, all right, mm-hmm. and do something differently, if you could go back and do it over again, what would you do differently? Well, um, yeah, as we talked this morning, I, that was a tough one. And uh, even after we got off the phone and I was... She called me back. I called him back <laughs> with some more ideas. Um, I think, um, and I came to the res- the result that when I was younger, I was you know, a teacher and um, I put my oldest son in childcare so that I could teach. And then when David was a baby, I gave him to another person to take care of him so I could teach. And I regret that. That's one of my big regrets. I I think back now, I wish I had been there from day one to carry them through. And I know that's not possible for everybody. I mean, financially, people have to do that. And I know many children and families where that's happened and the children are fine. But I think back about some of the struggles my little ones had, and I wish I'd been there for them. Well, that's one of the things that you had said, is that in order for, to make that possible a little later on in life, you and Dad made some, some drastic uh, financial changes in your life. Uh, just for context, they had a nice little house in Litchfield, Connecticut, with some property. You know, They had the kind of the idea that you know, the house, the car, the, these types of things. And then um, my dad was working multiple jobs. He was always working. Yeah. I mean, uh, he worked more than one job some, uh, all the time. He taught school all day, and then he worked in the evenings and sometimes on the weekends. And then he worked all summer. He'd always find a summer job. So, yeah. And so in order to kind of minimize the need to be out of the house, both my mom and my father, they moved to a two-family house in Torrington. Yep. And they got uh, money from the rent so that they could be home more. That was one of the decisions that they made. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, how old was I? About a year. You were a year yeah. old. And Ryan was eight. Now, yeah. again, how much of that was uh, based on your new faith in Christ? Because you just had gotten saved a year pre- previously. Right, right. We were still in Litchfield when we got saved. We had uh, gotten very involved in the, Christ- the Catholic charismatic movement. And that's how we, through that, that we got saved and... Uh, it just, I think God just worked on us and, and, uh, showed us, made us unhappy with the way it was. And, uh, so much to the chagrin of my family, (laughs) we sold our house in Litchfield and moved into a two family, which needed work. And everybody thought we were crazy. Moving to the ghetto. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Why are you doing this? You know, but they really couldn't understand. But we knew. We priorities knew. Had changed. Our priorities had totally changed. So now uh, I did not have to work. And John did not have to work extra jobs. So we were there. We were home. We were with the kids. And that, uh, I believe, was God's leading. 
And then when we moved to, to Torrington, we were looking for a school for the kids, and, and God led us to Torrington Christian Academy. And uh, so we started the kids there. So they not only you know, moved to a different place, but they were going to a totally different school environment. And um, can I tell the story about how I started there? Yeah, go. Which I... You I want to hear the story? <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I know yeah. they're going to want to hear the story. Yes, you can. No, I, I always... It's one of the things I... I'm just amazed at what God did. You know, I think back on it. And um, we found Torrington Christian Academy, and Ryan started there. David was still a baby. And uh, the the pastor at the school uh, spoke to me one day at a picnic, and he said, oh, I understand you're a teacher. And I said, yes, I was. He said, did you ever think about going back? And I said, no, no, I no way. And uh, so it was a while later, I got a phone call from him, and he said, we have an opening, and we wonder if you'd be willing to take it. And I said, I, I really don't want to be uh, and working with the kids at home. So, well, we have a nursery here. And he said, your children, and that time Dave was in school, he said, oh, preschool. Preschool, yeah. yeah. He said, we, the children, um, will be able to go to school for free if you work with us. And we have a nursery here. We have an all-day nursery. Your daughter, she was only a year old at that time, she can come and be here in the nursery while you're working with us. She'll be right downstairs all day long. And I just, I couldn't get over it because I love to teach. And the opportunity of teaching in a Christian school just blew me away. I was so happy. And you had direct access and, to your children. Yeah, I, I was there. We, we all, you know, went to school together in the morning. We were there all day. I'd see the kids during the day, pop in on Jessica and see how she's doing. And, and then we'd go home together. And I, I just know it was God. I just know it. So our move from Litchfield was, was God all the way, directing us and guiding us. God provides. He not only provides what you need. But in this case, you see how when the priorities got shifted to the right, with, you know, God led them and they agreed to that, God gave it back. She loved to teach. That was one of the things. She's a, she's a phenomenal teacher, by the way. Um, no, she is. She's an amazing teacher. Um, and so she, she got to fulfill that, that desire of her heart in a way that was going to bless the family as well. So when you put the priorities of God above the priorities of man, God works it out. He does. He's amazing like that. So uh, lastly, I asked you to bring some books. You thought you weren't going to be the one to introduce them, but uh, there was such an uh, a amazing desire for Lisa's book list that I thought maybe we should do a book list for, for the parents. Mm -hmm. So can you just give a couple of the books that you thought were instrumental in getting this crazy guy through school and childhood? This book here was given to me by another Christian mom. Uh, and as you can see... It's been used. It's been well used. <laughs> um, I consider it probably the most important book that I read as far as parenting. And it's, uh, it's called How to Really Know Your Child. And it's by um, a Christian uh, doctor, psychiatrist, child psychiatrist named Ross Campbell. And it just, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that are important. And uh, so we, we started, you know, doing some of the things that are 
suggested in this book. And uh, there is another one that I can't find. I think I gave it away to a friend, but it's called How to Really Know Your Teenager. And it also, was also a very excellent book. Yeah. This one here, uh, The Five Love Languages of Your Child, of Children, mm -hmm. is very popular based off the uh, book by Gary Chapman and Ross Campbell. Same guy. Yes, yeah, the same, same man. Um, mm -hmm. This is a great book. And then you didn't, you didn't tell me about this one. No, I found it. The Power it. of a Parenting of Parenting, whoa, the power of a parent's words. Amen. We're actually going to talk about this today in the sermon. This is not the sermon, by the way. I got a sermon for you, too. So we got to <laughs> finish this up. But um, and the other one that you, I, I looked it up for you. Yeah. It was called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Right. Shepherding a Tr Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. I know that one. Yeah. Good, and then good. the two that I wanted to lead, give you were phenomenal for bringing up young kids. And that is Bringing Up Boys and Bringing Up Girls by uh, Dr. James Dobson. So those are two phenomenal books. So if you are in that world, pick those up. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for sharing with your family. Your Thank family. you for listening. <laughs> All right. Well, I do have a sermon for you, so I'm going to try to run through it. You probably don't need one because that was enough. But, man. Parenting is a, it's a tough, it's a tough job. It's not easy. So the big idea for today's message is this. Good parenting is not something that happens by accident. Godly priorities and intentionality are essential. Parenting is more of an art than a science. As you can see, there's nuance. There's nuance in the books about dealing with your individual children, right? Everybody's different. Every child is different. You have to kind of, it's an art, okay? There's no complete expert on your, you are actually the best expert on your child than anybody else could be, but there's principles, biblical principles that everybody can apply, okay? So let's look at some of those today. First one. Priorities. Priorities. Genesis 2, 27 to 28 says this. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. So the whole, the, the, the tagline to this series is keeping the first thing first. Keeping the first thing first. So in this statement here, so God created man in his own image. God and human, and human that's the first relationship between God and man. That's the first one that was created. We got to keep that one first, right? That's the most important thing, keeping our relationship with God strong. The next one is, in the, in the, in the image of God, he created male and female, okay? That's the second relationship. The relationship between a husband and a wife. The spousal relationship has to be number two. I'm going to tell you something that is a little bit controversial today. When kids come along, they do not become the number two relationship. You chose her, guys. You chose him, ladies. 
The babies are a byproduct of that choice. They cannot be elevated above that relationship. Too often I see families running around like chickens with their heads cut off because their kids are run. It's like the, you know, the inmates are running the asylum. Your kids are not the most important relationship in your life. Moms, I'm telling you, there's a temptation for that. Not so much for the guys. I don't know why, but moms, maybe because they came out of you. I don't know. But moms, there's a temptation. Be careful. Be careful. That has got to be the third relationship. Because the third relationship is this. God says, be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Marriage often leads to children. Not always, but often. Most often it does. But here's the thing. We have to be careful to keep those relationships in descending order. Your children will be much more happy, well-adjusted, and enjoy life more if they know mom and dad love each other unconditionally. You can't give them enough stuff to make up for that. You can't provide for them enough activities to make up for that. That relationship has to be paramount. Now, I'm saying, maybe you're in a situation where you're in a second marriage. I'm telling you this. If you love your spouse, even if it's not their mother or father, if you love that spouse and they can see that, it's going to help them to understand what real love is. And they will feel secure. So that's got to be. And then what's the last relationship? The last relationship is something we kind of touched on this morning, is that relationship between a human being and their vocation. What does it say? Subdue the earth. Multiply and subdue. This concept of subduing is what you do. But that's got to be fourth. Guys, there's your temptation. More often than women. It's not universal, but more often than women. Women tend to put the children above the relationship with their spouse. Men tend to put their vocation above their relationship with their children and their spouse. And that's just kind of sick. Think about that from a God's perspective. So, those, so our priorities have to be in line with God's design. Ooh, that'll, that, that, that'll quote good. Put that on, what is that thing called, Twitter? Our priorities have to be in line with God's design. Okay. Why? Because this. Let me talk about parent problems. Uh, Psalms. Excuse me. Problems. Psalms. One twenty-seven says this: Children are a gift from the Lord; they are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. How joyful it is for a man whose quiver is full of them! He will not be put to shame when he confronts. His accusers at the city gates. That's the, that's the goal. When we do things, we keep God's priorities, our priorities. That's the relationship. It's a joy. It's a gift. It's amazing to be a parent. Not easy, but it's amazing. But if we don't keep God's priorities first in our relationships, we get something like Proverbs 17. A foolish son, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Mm. Some of you are living that right now. Proverbs 29.15. To discipline a child produces wisdom. But a mother is disgraced 
by an undisciplined child. I was in a restaurant, I think I've told you this story before, and it was, there was a child who just was so rude to his mother, and I wanted to wring his neck. So rude to his mother. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I actually had to, I had to leave the situation. I was not, I didn't want to get arrested, so I didn't punch him. I just removed myself from the situation. But how awful that mother must feel. Well, unfortunately, there are things she could have done by using biblical principles that may have changed that outcome. Now, at the end of the day, we do our very best to raise our kids, right? We, we're going to take some of these things and we're going to apply it. We can't control them. So what happens when they go off the rails? You love them. Love them. But we're going to try to, today we're going to try to um, mitigate some of that. So priorities are what we build our boundaries on. That book that was given. Boundaries for Kids. There's also bound, the same author of that. Uh, there's a Boundaries for Kids, Boundaries for Things Like That. So we want to create, boundaries are biblical. They're a biblical concept. It's a concept found on, uh, founded on loving, engaged relationships. Loving, engaged relationships. I mean, this past year, I've come to realize that even further when we studied through the, the, the concept of the Good Shepherd. Remember that sermon series? I hope you remember that sermon series. The Good Shepherd. It's an it's, it's an, it's an, it's engaged and loving relationship that builds boundaries. Boundaries are built on our priorities. See, in the garden with God, in which we used to live, we had many yeses and one no. Many yeses and one no. We had one boundary. One. And guess what? We had a hard time with the one. The garden we build with our families must have many yeses. If you're an all no parent, get ready to reap the whirlwind. I'm just telling you right now. It has to have many yeses. And because of the fallen state of the world, more no's than we're comfortable with usually. But I'm telling you, if you're all no's, if your boundaries are, if, if, if your child has this much of a sandbox to play in, there's gonna be, you're going to reap that whirlwind, I'm telling you right now. There's got to be some yeses. There's got to be some freedoms. There's got to be some, some rewards. There's got to be something. But there has to be some fencing. There's got to be some boundaries. There's got to be some no's out there. Okay? It's important. Boundaries are not only a limitation of freedom. Boundaries provide a safe space to exercise independence. The idea that they can make decisions on their own, and those decisions that we, we let them make are not going to hurt them if they say yes, if, if they make a wrong choice. Wrong choices aren't the worst thing in the world when their boundaries are set well. Okay? Dr. Henry Cloud, who wrote the book Boundaries, makes a statement about boundaries. Having clear boundaries is essential to, to a healthy, balanced 
lifestyle, and I would add family. A boundary is a, prior, a property line that makes those things for which we are responsible. It allows us to understand what our responsibilities are. What are, what are we supposed to do? And what is, what is off, off, off of our plate? That's what boundaries do. In other words, boundaries define who we are and who we are not. And I will add who your family is and what your family is not. It may, it may come out like a, like a statement like this. Sangsters aren't quitters. That's a boundary. We don't quit things. We start something, we finish it. We may change it tomorrow, but if you started something, you're going to finish it. I don't like this. Welcome to the real world, pal. I love you. You're going to finish what you started. That's a boundary we build. It builds character. Another boundary might be, sanctions are polite. Sanctions are polite. That's what we say to our kids. If somebody is nice to you, say thank you. If you want to have something for somebody, say, may I please have. I'm telling you, folks, etiquette and manners are gone from our culture. Don't let it be said of your family that your kids are not polite. This is just a boundary we've made. I hope you'll pick some of these things up because how about sanctions are generous? We're going we're gonna to be a generous people. That's one of the things we've, we've made uh, important in our family. We've made it this very clearly. Sanksters don't use bad language. Period. When my son comes home and says, you know, we were at a, we were at a, a game the other day, a, a track meet, because he runs track, and there was just, I was, a, I, was, I was so upset. I'm sitting there with my two little girls watching this track meet, and there's like roving groups of middle schoolers running around the bleachers. And I'm telling you, the, the, the foul mouths that they had, I was, I was appalled. In a matter of a minute, I heard the F word five times out of these middle schoolers. And I finally had it. And I did a Dave thing. A John thing. My dad. I said, hey, can you knock off the bad language? I've heard the F word five times, and only been, I'm sitting here with two little girls. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. You know, they, didn't even, they didn't know what to do because no adult ever stood up to them before. And one kid said, is he talking to us? I said, yeah, I'm talking to you. I said, knock it off. And I moved. My kids, I didn't know they weren't going to do it. But the, 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 that was not the surprise. I'm going to tell you the surprising thing was. The stink eye I got from the parents around me. How dare you talk to kids and correct them? That's what I was like most, uh, they were like, like, really? You want to hear? I couldn't believe it. So we left. I'm like, I'm out of here. It was very frustrating. Guys, watch your language. There's no reason for that. There's no reason for that. I had a, I had a neighbor come over the other day. and. He's just dropping F-bombs left and right in my driveway with my kids running around with his kid. I said, listen, I won't tell you what to do in your house, but while you're on my property, please just watch your language in front of the kids, okay? Just polite. I'm a, I'm a man. I can take it when we're talking to two of us. That's fine. But they got little kids running around. But his son knows 
terrorism do it all the time. Sanctioners watch their language. So when kids come home and say this, I say, listen, I better never hear you say that. I can't control every other kid in the world, but sanctioners don't do that. Boundaries, based on priorities. I got to move on a little faster here. Sorry, guys. Um, I start telling stories anyway. Boundaries keep us centered on what is important and what is not. They keep us safe from all that is out in the world vying for our attention. They allow us to thrive by giving us clear and defined spaces to work out what God has made us to be and what he wants to accomplish in our lives. And when combined with good discipline, they allow us to test the limits of those boundaries and discover who we are apart from our families. Listen, you don't build boundaries and get, get mad when your kids test them. That's, the, that's part of growing up. Kids are going to test the boundaries. If, you, if you're like, wow, my kid tested the boundaries. Yeah. Adam and Eve had one no. That's part of becoming an adult, testing the boundaries, finding out what, what I believe. Is it the same as what mom and dad believe? Can, can I live in a world outside of them telling me what to do? Growing up, I had a friend with goats. It's a big shift, isn't it? Growing up, I had a friend with goats. And in order to keep those goats, because those goats are very wily. I don't know if you've never had a goat. Probably not. Anybody had a goat in here? Did you? They can get out of stuff. So what they did is they put an electric fence around this humongous, huge field. Where did the goats live? Right by the fence. They had a whole field to play in. And we used to be stupid because we were kids. And we would, we would uh, bet each other to, to hold on to the electric fence. And the person who could hold on to it longer won. That's the dumbest game ever because you lose no matter what. Either you take your hands off and you lose, or you get electrocuted longer and you lose. But we used to do that. You know what electric fence does? It makes you feel the boundary. And that's what good discipline does. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. Why do I put that one there? Make sure your boundaries are not your boundaries or your friend's boundaries or society's boundaries. Make sure your boundaries are God's boundaries. When you come and talk to me and ask me, Pastor, what do you think about this? I'm going to probably say something like this if you haven't heard me say it already. You don't care what I think about this. Well, Pastor, you're the pastor. I want to know what you think. No, you don't. You actually don't care what I think. You want to know what God says. And if I can help you find that, then I've done my job. Make sure your boundaries are, your, are God's boundaries. Too often, we ignore God's boundaries. In ignoring God's boundaries, we look around and try to measure up the people and families around us. I think that's kind of what we would talk about this morning. When you first got married, you had like these ideas of what it's supposed to be like to be a married couple, and you get the property, and you do the things, and you work hard to do the, when 
Christ came in, the, bound, the, 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 the priorities changed, therefore the boundaries shifted. When you hear something like this, all my friends, dot, dot, dot. That doesn't necessarily mean there's a good boundary there. Don't just do things for your kids because all their friends, dot, dot, dot. Take that statement and say, does this fit within the boundaries of our family? Let me give you a for instance. All my friends have cell phones. And that's probably true. Does that, does that mean all of a sudden you have to have, give your kids the World Wide Web in their pocket? That's probably, when you start thinking from God's perspective, probably not a great idea. How about this? My friends all stay up till 11 p.m. Or recently I've gotten my oldest, my, none of my friends have any, any bedtimes. Well, that's just stupid. No wonder they're sitting in the bus like this with their heads smashed up against the window on the way. Or how about this one? My friends are all playing in this league. Okay, you like sports? That's a good thing. Let's see if we can figure out. But if they play on times where we're having family time or practices are too much and take away from the family, then maybe we have to think about that. Our priority, obviously, I'm the pastor. We don't do games on Sundays, Sunday mornings especially. So my son has had to miss travel teams because they all have their games on Sundays. We don't do that. So he may not make the MLS, Major League Soccer, someday. I was talking to, my, my wife was talking to her aunt. And they were lived out in Pittsburgh, and they had two sons, and the sons were in every soccer thing. They would travel across the country. They were involved in every soccer thing you could think of because they thought that that's what they wanted to do. And they would travel. They would, they would, sp they would spend their, 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 their vacation money on traveling to these tournaments. Everything was about soccer. Last month, my wife went down to a funeral for her grandmother. My aunt was there. And they had gotten into a conversation. She said, my children broke my heart the other day. This is like, what are you talking about? These are pretty good kids. It's like, they told me. They were talking. We were talking to this family. And they said, yeah, Mom, I wish we had spent more time together as a family just on vacation. Because the things that we remember most, the things we look back on, they're adults now, things we look back on more, are the, are the family vacations we took. And I feel like we played too much soccer. She was like, she was kind of gutted by it. Because she thought this whole time she was doing the right thing. But in fact, it wasn't the best thing. Her priorities, the priorities that later made more they never played in the, they never played major league soccer or they, they just got, you know, they're just normal kids. One's a, one's a doctor and the other one's something. Both productive, but they don't play soccer anymore. And they're like, I wish we had just done more family stuff. Interesting. Just a, just a, just a little bit there. All right, we've got to move to discipline. But I want to say this one thing. Boundaries, here, this is important. Don't, don't like, uh, surprise your kids with boundaries. Boundaries should be predetermined and defined. Okay, I'll give you, a, for instance, we are on our way to a birthday party. Now, we don't sit down and like, here's all the boundaries, kids, for your whole life. Remember them? 
study them, quote them back to me. No, but we, we set boundaries ahead of time. We're going, we're going to a party. Um, we're sitting in the car, and my wife will turn back in. Okay, guys, we're going to a party for you. People are going to give you gifts. Now, when you open that gift, you will get up. You will say thank you. You will go over, and you will hug that person and show appreciation. I don't care what in the box. You will show appreciation, okay, because that boundary is defined. They know where they live. And what does that do? Time and time again, it reinforces good behavior. Okay. Let's get into discipline. Proverbs 23, 13 says this. Don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. I'm not going to talk about spanking today. That's a tough issue. Figure out what your rod is. Okay, we'll get there. But the rod's not going to kill them. The rod's not going to kill them. Right? Physical discipline may save them from death. And translated, that word translated actually says shield, which is synonymous to hell. Disciplining them may save them from hell. When boundaries are crossed, discipline is necessary. It's like that electric fence. Discipline must be, let's, let's talk about discipline a little bit. Discipline must be consistent and appropriate. Okay? Listen to this one, folks. Discipline is not a threat, but a reality. The greatest place to see this is the supermarket. There's so much disciplinary dysfunction in the supermarket. If you do that one more time, you're going to be in big trouble. Oh, you did it again. Oh, you better not do that again. You wait. Oh, you're getting under my skin. You, you're going to be in such big trouble. Why, why is this thing? They know there's not going to be any follow-through on that threat. Discipline is a, is, can't be a threat. It has to be a reality. Means when 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 the boundary is crossed, there's going to be some follow through. I'm not saying you have to, you know, excommunicate them from the family for throwing groceries on the floor. I'm not saying that, but there's got to be an appropriate response, so that they know next time when mom says don't do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. This one must not be emotionally driven. Rather, it should be character building. So as my mom indicated earlier, my dad was a little bit of a, a passionate guy. So he did this thing, which I think helped him, but was like emotional and mental torture for us. He would say, all right, Dave, go upstairs and prepare for a spanking. What was that for him? It was allowing him to cool down because he didn't want to go into the disciplinary the portion of it angry. He wanted to be so we would go up there and just like, oh. for as long as it took dad to cool down, we were like sweating and we were like emotionally scarred. So much so that one day I took him at his word. I put on every pair of underpants I owned. Every pair. I was like. Boom. It's true. And he came up and I was like padded to the gills, right? 
You told me to prepare. I don't think I spanked that day. I think he was laughing too hard. But <laughs> it only works once, though. Um, anger has no place in discipline. Okay? Love drives discipline. Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares a rod hates his son. That's it's intense. Whoever spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Avoiding discipline is not compassionate. It's handicapping. This is a big one for you younger parents. Ready? Remember, you are not your child's friend. Stop worrying about whether your child likes you. As a parent, you have a much higher calling than friendship. Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God has entrusted you to form godly character in your children. The truth is that they don't need you as a friend. They need a parent. They got plenty of friends. They don't need another friend. They need a parent. They need boundaries. They need discipline. They need somebody to show them how, how to function in this world. Their friends can't do that. Children crave structure, boundaries, and knowing expectations. They will love you for it if... See, here's the thing. They will love you for it even though they're going to fight back against it. They will love you for it, though. Measure discipline based on uh, stated expectation brings security, but lack of, lack of discipline creates anxiety. You need to, your kids want to know where they live. They want to know. That's why they'll test you, because they want to know what mom and dad think about stuff. Whenever possible, discipline should be carried out in private, in a calm way. I gotta move on here. Poor Ariel. The more consistent you are with your maintaining of good boundaries, the more infrequently you will need a discipline. I think that's an important thing. The more you are consistent, the more infrequent you will have to discipline. It's gonna go from a disciplinary thing, and then just like at the birthday party, right? My daughter gets a gift and she's not so into it. And she's like, oh, great. I wanted this when I was like three. And what do I have to do? I give the eye. <clears throat> Maybe clear my throat. Oh, oh, thank you so much. I love it. Thank you. I don't, because, I've, because I've kept consistent, all I had to do is bring back to mind. And what does that turn into? That turns in, I wrote it really well, I want to say it, leading to self adjustment. Once you get that in there, it leads to self-adjustment and good moral and social character. These things build into who they are. Okay, last one. And this is kind of funny. It's kind of at the end. Exasperation. Colossians 3.21. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. This has to do with the boundaries being too small or you being too hyper- you know, 
vigilant about them. Exasperate. What does exasperation mean? It's, it's, it's frustrate, annoy, irritate, enrage. Listen, you can do all these things without doing that. Proverbs 15, 1 through 4 says this, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive, but the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. And this is, a, this is important for us to understand when going into our discipline. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He knows what you're doing. He knows how you're doing it. And trust me, he knows what they're doing and how they're doing it. Observing the wicked and the good. The tongue that heals is a tree of life. But a devious tongue brings, breaks the spirit. Don't break your kid's spirit. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. But he who is slow to anger quiets, uh, quiets contention. Ephesians 4, 31-32 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Don't talk that way to your kids. Teach them appropriate ways to express themselves even when you have to do the hard thing like discipline them. Keep the words stupid off your lips. Oh, you're so stupid. Don't ever say that to a child. They actually may literally be stupid. I don't know, but don't say it. Don't you? Always affirm. Say things like this. I know, you're, I know you're better than this. That was, a, that was a, a foolish thing to do. I know you know better than this. Affirm them. The same, it's, the same, it's the same message. It's just worded in a completely different way. One takes intentionality and care, and the other is just off the, off the lips. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if any of you are caught in any transgression, that's going to happen in your home. Your kids are going to get caught in a transgression. Uh-oh, boundaries have crossed. Time to discipline. You who are spiritual, which should be us, should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Be careful. Those hot moments are going to come. Your wife is frayed to the, to the end. The kids have been driving her nuts all day long. You come home from work, and you've had a hard day at work. And she goes, your son. I thought he was our son, but yes, okay, my son has been doing X, Y, and Z all day, and I can't handle it. And you're already fatigued, so you go, you're so stupid. Why do you do all this stuff? What's your problem? You, obey your mom. Come on now. What's going on? Get upstairs. And you scream and you yell and you vent, and you're not really upset about that. She's not really upset about that. She's had a hard day. You've had a hard day, and the kid's taken the brunt. Now. Remember what I said, not, disciplining is not compassion, it's handicapping. So there should be a, res, a response to that. But I would say be careful of yourself, how you do that. Don't make your boundaries so restrictive that your children are not allowed to fail and learn from mistakes. Guess what? It's okay to fail. My daughter came home the other day with like, 
I think it was like an A or a B plus or something like that. And she was so upset. I'm like, that's like the best grade I ever got. They were harder on themselves than you will ever be in many ways. But that's not a failure, really. Sometimes they're really going to fail. How do we handle that? We instill good boundaries. We discipline and we restore. We do. Instead of saying, because social media is toxic for kids, you're never, ever going to have a cell phone. That's a boundary that's like, what is that going to do? That's going to exasperate and cause rebellion. Instead of now being able to, so what do, what do we do with something like that? Because it's true. It's true. The, tra- the statement is true. Social media is toxic for kids, and cell phones are the primary way kids get social media and, and, and the whole internet, which is nothing. So what do we do? Instead, set an age-appropriate expectation for when somebody gets a cell phone. I mean, mom, I'm like 20 years old. Can I get a cell phone yet? I mean, be, I mean, I mean should, should, a, should a 10-year-old have one? I don't know. That's a, you get a, but I'm saying there's, you know, develop age-appropriate boundaries. Tell them what the cell phone is for. It's for making phone calls and texting mom and dad or whatever, you know, whatever, depending on the age of your child. Where they are allowed to use the cell and explain how social media cause can be, dam- can be damaging to them. I'm just going to give you a tidbit. This is coming straight from pastor. There's no, there's no scripture to base this. I would be very, very reticent to let your children have their cell phones in their rooms. I would be very reticent to let them have this in their rooms. Definitely no computers in the rooms, as far as I'm concerned. And be careful when they have TVs in the rooms. It's just, it's just, there's, there's an opportunity there for sin to knock on their door. Mull that over, see what you spit out, take the bones, spit them out, and take the meat. All right, set expectations. Lastly, oh my gosh, poor Ariel. Poor you, okay. This is the most important thing I want you to get from from this section. It is imperative that we convey to our children that their value is not based on their performance or perfection. That you are valuable because you are you, not because what you do or what you don't do. I'm disciplining you because I love you, but your value, I, I, I don't love you more or less because you made a bad or good decision. I love you. I'm just here. I'm going to close with that because we got to go. I knew this was going to be a long one. Then I threw my mom into it. So I knew <laughs> because, I mean, this is just, this is just, right? This is just scratching the surface of parenting. Maybe your, parent, your children are old and you've seen some places where you have gone awry on this. I would tell you, have a cup of coffee with your kid and say, you know what? Some things I did wrong. I wish I could go back and do them right, but I can't. I want, I want you to know I love you and I care about you. Please forgive your mom and dad for not knowing or not following. I want to have a good relationship. If you have young kids, apply it. But this is, the, this is, the, this is our guidebook, right? For everything we do. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for the institutions that you've given us. Our relationship with you, our relationship with our spouses, our relationship with our children, and our relationship with our vocation. 
God, help us to build good boundaries and, and enforce appropriate discipline to not exasperate our children, but to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We can't do this on our own, God. We're too, too, we're too flawed. But through you, all things are possible. Lord, turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the mothers. And the fathers and mothers to the children. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have children, quickly go get them.